Section. Introduction. We're going to delve into the fascinating world of deep networks, DNs. These powerful tools have revolutionized many fields, thanks to their ability to deliver top-notch solutions for a wide range of tasks. But what's even more interesting is how DNs have made us rethink some fundamental principles in machine learning, such as over-parameterization and generalization. Despite having more parameters than training samples, DNs don't usually overfit to poor solutions, unlike other machine learning methods. This is partly due to the architecture of DNs, the way data is augmented and ordered during mini-batch gradient descent, all of which act as implicit regulators on the DNs mapping. One of the most intriguing aspects of DNs is their training dynamics. For instance, some studies have used these dynamics to characterize datasets, explore the link between training dynamics, regularization, and generalization, and even to relate training dynamics to the learning rate and the final solution's generalization performance. However, most of these studies focus solely on the loss function, which can be limiting, especially when the loss function doesn't perfectly align with the task at hand. This is why we're interested in studying the training dynamics of DNs beyond the loss function. We want to find meaningful statistics about a DN's parameters that can tell us more about its underlying mapping. So, we're asking this question. Can we come up with a statistic that depends only on the DN's architecture and parameters, and that can capture its training dynamics and underlying expressivity? We're taking the first step towards answering this question by proposing a new measure of a DN's expressivity that doesn't depend on the dataset, labels, or loss function used during training. This measure is based on the concentration of partition regions of the DNs, and it relies heavily on the affine spline formulation of DNs. Our proposed measure is not only quick to compute for any common architecture, but it also applies to most DNs right out of the box. Here's what we've achieved so far. 1. We've come up with a new, easy-to-calculate measure of a DN's local partition complexity that encapsulates the expressivity of the DN's mapping in a single value. This measure is task-agnostic but still informative of training dynamics. 2. We've identified three distinct phases in training, with two descents phases and an ascent phase. We've also provided a clear description of the DN's partition migrating dynamics during training for the first time. 3. We've shown that region migration can be regularized. Through several ablation studies, we've connected the training phases with overfitting and studied their changes during memorization, generalization. We hope that our study will provide a new perspective on the training dynamics of DNs. We'll make all the code for the figures and experiments publicly available once the review process is complete. Now, let's talk about deep networks and spline operators. DNs have transformed the field of machine learning and pattern recognition. While current DNs use a variety of techniques to enhance their performance, their core operation remains the same. They primarily map an input vector through several nonlinear transformations, called layers. These layers can be parameterized to control the type of layer, such as a circulant matrix for a convolutional layer. The operator is an element-wise nonlinearity, like the rectified linear unit, ReLU, that takes the maximum between its entry and zero. In this context, there's a partition of the DN's input space that is made of non-overlapping regions that span the entire input space. On each such region, the DN's input-output mapping is a simple affine mapping. This formulation of DNNs has been used to make theoretical studies more applicable to actual DNNs, in areas like generative modeling, DNN complexity analysis, and network pruning. The spline formulation of DNNs allows us to take advantage of the extensive literature on spline theory. Section Summary. 
Deep networks, DNs, have revolutionized machine learning by producing state-of-the-art solutions and challenging core principles such as overparameterization and generalization. While previous studies have focused on the loss function, we propose a novel measure of a DN's expressivity that captures its training dynamics without relying on the dataset, labels, or loss function. Our measure is derived from the concentration of partition regions of the DNs and provides insights into the migration dynamics of these regions during training. Section. Deep Network Partition Density. In this section, we'll introduce a new way to measure the complexity of deep networks, which we call Deep Network Partition Density. We'll first explain why we need this measure, then we'll go into the details of how it's implemented. We'll also compare it with previous methods. Let's start with a simple scenario a supervised classification task. In this case, the decision boundary of the deep network, DN, we've trained has to be linear within each region of the data. This means that the way we partition the data has to take into account its complexity and geometry. If there are regions of the data that aren't linearly separable, the DN won't be able to minimize the training loss. So, understanding the geometry of the partition is as important as understanding the DN's mapping as a whole. Our new measure is a function of the partition only, and doesn't need to know anything about the labels or the task the DN is being trained to solve. However, calculating the DN partition exactly is computationally complex, so we propose an approximation method. We call this the local DN's partition complexity. To explain this, let's consider a DN with a single hidden layer. The weights of the DN are represented by W and B, where W is a matrix of weights and B is a bias term. The partition boundary of the DN is formed by hyperplanes, which are defined by these weights and biases. The complexity of a sample in the input space can be approximated by the number of hyperplanes that intersect a given neighborhood, which we can measure by the number of sign changes in the pre-activations that occur within that neighborhood. To implement this, we track the number of sign changes in the layer's pre-activations maps for a given neighborhood of the input space. This can be done efficiently by forward propagation of the vertices in the neighborhood. The complexity of DNs is naturally influenced by the architecture, number of parameters and initialization. Previous work has established a relationship between a DN's architecture and its partition, and use properties of DN partition to approximate expressivity. We compare our method with SplineCam, an exact computation method. SplineCam has a higher computational complexity than ours and can only compute the local complexity for 2D neighborhoods, while our method can approximate for ND neighborhoods. We tested both methods on a depth 3 width 200 MLP trained on MNIST for 100K training steps. We found that both methods showed a similar trend in local complexity, with a clear double descent. However, our method was significantly faster than SplineCam, as it is fully vectorized on GPU while SplineCam requires CPU computations to find linear regions exactly. Section Summary In this section, the authors introduce a new measure called Deep Network Partition Density. DNPD, to understand the complexity of deep networks. They propose a method to approximate the density of partition regions in the network, which is computationally efficient compared to existing methods. The authors also compare their method with SplineCam, showing that their approach allows for approximation in ND neighborhoods and is faster to compute. Section. Local complexity double descent. In this section, we delve into the main findings of our study examining how local complexity varies across different architectures and training methods. Our goal is to understand what influences, enhances, or diminishes the three different phases of local complexity and the double descent behavior. 
In our experiments, we examine local complexity around training, testing, and random points that are uniformly sampled from the data domain. We conduct experiments on MNIST using fully connected deep networks, DNs, and on CIFAR10 using convolutional neural networks, CNN, and ResNet architectures. For MNIST, we randomly select locations for local complexity computation from a hypercube with dimensions ranging from 0 to 1. For CIFAR10, we sample from a hypercube with dimensions ranging from minus 1 to 1, where the dimensionality is the input space. In all MNIST experiments, unless otherwise stated, we use 1,000 training samples. We use all the training samples, 10,000 test samples, and 10,000 random samples as locations to monitor local complexity. For the CIFAR10 CNN experiments, we use 2,000 samples, while in the CIFAR10 ResNet experiments we use 1,000 samples to compute local complexity. In all the results presented, we plot a confidence interval corresponding to 25% of the standard deviation of local complexity computed. We use different color hues to represent train set local complexity, purple, test set local complexity, orange, and local complexity at random locations, blue. We control the size of the local neighborhood by controlling the diagonal lengths via the R parameter mentioned in the implementation section. By changing the neighborhood, we examine complexity dynamics from a broad to detailed perspective. For the MNIST and CIFAR10 experiments with fully connected and convolutional networks, we use 25 as the dimensionality of the hypercubes that define the neighborhood. For the ResNet experiments, we use 20. We follow the experimental setup and use a mean square error loss over one hot encoded vectors for the MNIST experiments with fully connected layers. We do this to be able to draw contrasts with other experiments without changing the loss function. For the CIFAR10 experiments, we use a cross entropy loss. We use a learning rate of 0.001 and weight decay of 0.01 unless specified. We then explore the impact of architecture on local complexity dynamics. We plot local complexity during training on MNIST for fully connected deep networks with depths ranging from 2 to 5 and width 200. For all the depths, the accuracy on both the train and test sets peak during the first descent phase. During the ascent phase, we see that the train local complexity has a sharp ascent while the test and random local complexity do not. The difference, as well as the sharpness of the ascent, is reduced when increasing the depth of the network. This is visible for both fine and coarse R scales. For the shallowest network, we can see a second descent in the coarser scale but not in the finer R scale. This indicates that for the shallow network some regions closer to the training samples are retained during later stages of training. We also observe a clear distinction between the train and test local complexity during the ascent and second descent phase. This suggests a vulnerability to membership inference, especially during the latter phases of training. This has been previously observed in membership inference literature, where early stopping has been used as a regularizer for membership inference. We believe the local complexity dynamics can provide new insights into membership inference and the role of network complexity, capacity. We also plot the local complexity during training for CNNs trained on CIFAR10 with varying depths with and without batch normalization. The CNN architecture comprises only convolutional layers except for one fully connected layer before output. Therefore, when computing local complexity, we only take into account the convolutional layers in the network. Contrary to the MNIST experiments, we see that in this setting, the train test local complexity are almost indistinguishable throughout training. 
we can see that the network train and test accuracy peaks during the ascent phase and is sustained during the second descent. It can also be noticed that increasing depth increases the max local complexity during the ascent phase for CNNs which is contrary to what we saw for fully connected networks on MNIST. The increase of density during ascent is all over the data manifold, contrasting to just the training samples for fully connected networks. We also present results for a fully connected DN with depth 3 and widths ranging from 20 to 2000. Networks with smaller widths start from a low local complexity at initialization compared to networks that are wider. Therefore for small width networks the initial descent becomes imperceptible. We see that as we increase width from 20 to 1000 the ascent phase starts earlier as well as reaches a higher maximum local complexity. However overparameterizing the network by increasing the width further to 2000 reduces the max local complexity during ascent, therefore reducing the crowding of neurons near training samples. This is a possible indication of how overparameterization performs implicit regularization by reducing non-linearity or local complexity concentration around training samples. Section Summary The core contributions of this study involve exploring the trends of local complexity, LC, in different architectures and training regimes. The experiments aim to understand the factors that cause, strengthen, or reduce the three phases of LC as well as the double descent behavior. The experimental setup includes using different datasets, MNIST and CIFAR10, and sampling random locations uniformly from the input space to compute LC. The results show that the depth and width of the network have an impact on LC dynamics, with deeper networks reducing the difference between train and test LC, and wider networks reducing the concentration of LC around training samples. Section. Effect of regularization. Let's discuss the impact of regularization on the training dynamics of deep networks. So far, we've observed that increasing the width or depth of a network, a process known as overparameterization, can help reduce the clustering of neurons near training samples during the learning phase. Now, we'll explore how batch normalization and weight decay affect this process. Batch normalization is a technique that helps regularize training by dynamically updating normalization parameters for each mini-batch, which introduces some noise into the training process. Essentially, it adjusts the layer's pre-activation by centering and scaling it, and then adds a learnable bias. These adjustments are calculated for each mini-batch. Once learning is complete, a final fixed mean and standard deviation are calculated using the training data. What's interesting about batch normalization is that it adjusts the partition of the input space so that the partition boundaries are as close to the training data as possible. This has been confirmed by our experiments, where we observed that batch normalization largely eliminates the second descent in the learning process. This makes sense, as the second descent usually occurs when the partition regions move towards the decision boundary, which is further away from the training data. In other words, while the training dynamics may aim for a second descent, batch normalization ensures that the hyperplanes at each layer remain close to the training mini-batch. This is further supported by our observation that using batch normalization increases the overall learning curve throughout training for train, test, and also random points in the input space. This means that the network's partition does not concentrate in a specific region of the space. Weight decay is another regularization technique that works by reducing the norm of the network weights, which in turn reduces the per-region slope norm. Our experiments show that increasing weight decay can also delay or eliminate the second descent in the learning curve. Moreover, strong weight decay can reduce the duration of the ascent phase, as well as the peak learning curve during ascent. This is different from batch normalization, 
which eliminates the second descent but increases the overall learning curve. Next, we'll discuss memorization and generalization in deep networks. We conducted several experiments to understand these characteristics during the three different phases of training. First, we looked at a phenomenon called grokking, where networks tend to generalize significantly after overfitting on small algorithmic tasks. We found that for shallow networks, generalization starts earlier than for deeper networks. Increasing the depth of the network makes the peak of the learning curve during the ascent phase higher. We also observed that increasing depth delays generalization and makes the learning curve drop faster during the second descent phase. Interestingly, we noticed a second peak or a second ascent happening right after the first ascent when grokking is induced. This second ascent occurs right before the model starts grokking or delayed generalization. This suggests that the network increases the local complexity near training points both during memorization and generalization. Finally, we manipulated the training dataset to either induce higher generalization or higher memorization. We found that increasing the number of samples improves the generalization of our network. Conversely, increasing the dataset size for a random label memorization task requires more memorization, therefore more capacity. Our findings suggest a connection between the ascent phase and overfitting. Training on a set of randomly labeled samples, a task that requires memorization or overfitting on training data, gradually increases the peak train and test learning curve as the training dataset size increases.